It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Restoring order to your financial chaos. Retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions, he's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Welcome to the Money Guy Show. I'm your host, Brian Preston. By day, I am a certified financial planner, a public accountant, and a fee-only wealth manager. And, and, you know, for giggles, on the side, we do this show called The Money Guy Show, where we try to really bring you high-quality personal financial advice that goes beyond common sense. We've been doing this for over three years now, so I thank you for coming in once again joining us. It's um, always a pleasure when you guys come and hang out and listen for an hour and so we can try to educate each other. Now, we've got an interesting topic today. What we're going to be talking about is something that directly impacted my family because my wife actually showed up and watched the filming of this TV show for two of the three, two or three of the six days that they were actually filming. And y'all have probably heard about this because it made some of the, the websites, including the Drudge Report, as well as a lot of the um, news wires throughout the country. And it was, you know, that show, the Extreme Home, uh, is, it's called Extreme Makeover Home Edition. It's on um, ABC. They did, back in 2006, they did a home on the south side of Atlanta. Um, actually in Lake City, which is not too far from where I live. So my wife went to go watch this show be filmed for for the two, two or three of the days of the six days that it took them to, to tear down a house and then build this McMansion that they gave to this family. And as you've probably just go ahead without without you know being providing too much of a spoiler, the the front page article for the Saturday paper, this was July, I think it was 26, let's see. Yeah, July 26th, the Saturday, July 26th issue of the Atlanta Journal and Constitution says, A fairy tale foreclosed. Extreme makeover home on auction block. Now listen to this, because this stuff will make you sick. And then I've got a point that I want to talk about this after I read you just a little bit of this article. It says, Things couldn't have looked better three years ago for Milton and Patricia Harper of Lake City, who giddily accepted the keys to a small castle plus enough money to pay taxes on it for 25 years. Now the Clayton County House, that extreme makeover home edition, built as a two-story, turreted example of how things can go wrong. It's in foreclosure. The Harpers used the house, and it gives the address, which was 5489 um, Ahoka Drive, as collateral for a $450,000 loan, Clayton County mortgage records show. Records at the law firm handling foreclosures for the lender, J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, say it is in foreclosure. The four-bedroom house with decorative rock walls and a three-car garage is scheduled for auction on the Clayton County Courthouse steps August 5th. By the way, I'm recording this on August 4th, so we're the day before it actually is supposed to happen. And it goes on to say, because I didn't want to go into all the details that this article goes into, but I do think it's warranted to talk about it. It says, professionals and volunteers came together to erect the largest home that the extreme makeover team had ever built. Materials and labor were donated, but the home would have cost about $450,000 to construct. Now, that's just I think that's just the cost, because I've seen this house. It is massive. $450,000 is probably what they have in the actual construction costs and the cost of materials. If you're actually selling this thing to market, and I know it's probably not in the nicest of neighborhoods, but it's probably still would have been a five fifty dollars to a $650,000 house. So I think the four fifty 
probably doesn't take into account, you know, how much the fair market value of this property was. But it goes, when they were finished, the home dwarfed all the ranch and split-level structures in the neighboring lots. That was not all. Beezer Homes employees and company partners raised a quarter of a million dollars in contributions for the family. The sum included scholarships for the three Harper children and a home maintenance fund. The Harpers, whom ABC chose from among 15,000 extreme makeover applicants, spent the week in Disneyland while 1,800 workers swarmed about the site. That didn't even talk about the, the spectators like my wife that were sitting out in the audience watching all this construction. They did contact ABC, and a representative of ABC offered an email that said, Extreme Makeover Home Edition advises each family to consult a financial planner after, after they receive their new home. Ultimately, financial matters are personal, and we work to respect the privacy of the families. Wow, that's working out for them now. The new, the news left Lake City Mayor Willie Oswalt wondering what went wrong. He recalled a chilly January day when he and a handful of others wrestled an aged beam into place in the home's living room. The Harper's future seemed just as solid as he, he said. It's aggravating, Oswalt said. It just makes you mad. You do that much work, and they just squander it. I think that is probably the best quote of this article is they just squandered it. And I want to talk about uh, the point that I see out of this entire article. By the way, I'm, I get so excited sometimes that I, I lose. You can tell I don't do this for a day job because they'd probably fire me for not marketing the show enough. If you want to go check out our show notes, so you can pull up links as well as, you know, just to see who we are, you go to money-guy.com. That's money-guy.com. And if you want to write the show, you can write us at Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at money-guy.com as well. And you can even sign up on, on the Money Guy website. If you want to type in your email address, we'll, we'll blast you show notes whenever we update the website. Or you can even register to become a member uh, of the Money Guy family. And what we're going to use is eventually we're going to use that membership section to start giving out um, information that's not available on the free side with the podcast. So getting back to a point, like I said, don't do this for a day job. So sometimes you can see I'm a little quirky um, that I'll be talking about something because I get excited and then I have to actually get back on point and tell you what you need to know to make sure you understand what's going on as a listener. But getting back to the point about this foreclosed house that came from Extreme Makeover Home Edition, with Ty Pennington and all those other guys that, that do that show is that I'm kind of disgusted to a degree by what happened here. So you have a, a house that's probably worth 550 to 650, but let's just go with the 450 of material that they list in the article, plus the quarter of a million, which is $250,000 that they got in scholarships as well as money to pay property taxes um, for a number of years, as well as just to help them with the maintenance of the house. And we have a $700,000 opportunity that was just given to this family. And I think, and I don't know the details, but I think they structure it where tax-wise, it's not all taxable to them. I don't know if they use that rent exclusion, you know, where if you rent your house out for less than a few number of days, it doesn't matter how much money you make off of it, it's tax-free. Um, I don't know how they do it, but I think I've read somewhere where they don't pay taxes. So they really did probably get close to $700,000 pretty much tax-free or after tax. So that's a tremendous opportunity from a family that probably wasn't making a lot of money to start off with. And, and I'm troubled that what they did with this tremendous opportunity of financial independence that was given to them, knowing that they would have this mansion that would provide everything they could ever want and never need to buy a bigger house or worry about a mortgage payment, they were set. Instead of being happy with what they were provided, they wanted more. And, and, and I think that's kind of what's gotten us into a lot of the trouble we have out there in this financial world is because 
they wanted to start a company. And they, they went and took a mortgage on their paid-for house and got a $450,000 loan to start a construction company. And you're like, yeah, Brian, but they were trying to get a piece of the American dream. It's, you're an entrepreneur. You own several businesses. What, what, what do you have against that? This is what I have against that, is that if you start a company, the first thing you have to know is that when you start a company, times are going to be tough. It takes years for a company to get and build up to the level that you can actually replace the income you might have been making as, a, as, a, as an employee before you started that company. And I think that's probably why so many small businesses fail is that people don't make the commitment to save the money that's needed to start the company. Now, $450,000 is a substantial sum of money. And and I will tell you where I think the fault went here is, is that they, instead of saving the money to start a company, they went and leveraged their house. And and the problem with that is that when you go start a company, you are taking a tremendous risk. One of the riskiest ventures you can do in life is start your own company. It can be one of the most rewarding things too, but it is one of the it is the road less traveled, I often say, is because it is risky. And why would you take a risky risky proposition that already is going to possibly jeopardize your future income and cash flow? Why would you want to go leverage what's providing you shelter? Why would you want to go risk something that when it's cold outside, it's hopefully keeping you warm on the inside? When it's raining outside, it's the shelter that keeps you you know, dry at night. That is the craziest thing I've ever heard. You don't go mortgage your house to the hilt so that if your venture fails, you're not only out of income, broke, you're also out of a house. And you look like the failure that these people look like. And let me give you that quote once again. It just makes you mad. You do that much work, and they just squander it, as the mayor of Lake City said, Mr. Willie Oswald. You know, th- it is. I feel like they did squander it because you do have to save. I'll tell you, and I'll give you my personal experience. When I decided I wanted to start a company, it was, it was around, I've told you all the story, when my father passed away back in December of 2000, I kind of had what I called my Jerry Maguire moment. Now, I know it's been quite a number of years since Jerry Maguire was a movie but that was popular, but when that movie came out, the, the, the point that hit me was, is here's this guy who was a, it was a sports agent that was very successful, and it just hit him one day. He had kind of a life moment, a, an epiphany that made him think, what am I doing with my life? And that's kind of what happened when my father passed away. Because I was waking up at 5 in the morning, driving to Atlanta, working in Atlanta all day, driving home at night, getting home you know, sometime around 7.30, 8 o'clock because of traffic, and then working, wanting to make a good impression upon the boss. And, and I was just wondering, what was I going to do with my life? You know, because part of the only reason I was okay with, you know, t- at peace with my father passing was that he was at every one of my ba- baseball games, every one of my tennis matches, every one of my basketball games, every one of the drama plays that I did back in high school when I went through my, you know, wanted to be in plays and drama and everything else like that, which is the complete opposite of my father. As I've talked about with you, with you guys before, my father was a complete jock. You know, he went to college. He was the only guy in his family to go to college on a, on a University of Florida football scholarship because he was a big guy. So going to plays wasn't his cup of tea. But he did it because, you know, you have that, that unending love that you have for your children. And I, and I looked at myself and I said, what am I doing? Am I ever going to be able to do the things that my father did for me? And I, and I, and I came to the answer of no. So I decided I was going to start a company. And it took me. I, st- I came to this decision in December of 2000, and I worked. For you know, I stayed at my job until February of 2002, is when I decided to make the jump. But all from December to 
February, December of 2000 to February of 2002, I saved and saved and saved and saved. Me and my wife got to where we are living off of just her salary. And I was still the big income winner with me and my wife at that time. So you can imagine we go from just cutting off our big income, which was my income working at the fee-only firm in Atlanta that I worked at, and just living off of her salary, which was still comfortable, but it was nowhere. I mean, she made mid, well, I don't want to give how much she made. That probably would be rude. She probably wouldn't appreciate that. But we didn't. We were not wealthy by any shape of the imagination. But we, we did whatever we had to do and lived off her salary to save. And we built up enough money to where I was able to live for two years, you know, making a little bit of money with the growing firm that I started. But we used every bit of that, that cash reserves that I built up over that year and a half period to um, – to, to make sure that we could make it. And I think that's the important thing is that these guys tried to go the easy way. Life is not easy. You don't get to get out easy. And just because somebody gives you a huge head start with $700,000, you go squander it. You know, it's just tragic. I think it's awful. I think it's tragic. And it frustrates me. And I just want to, if you guys are in this, if you're maybe in this, this bad economy, if you've lost a job and you're thinking about going out on your own, which I think is a great thing, just go out, go out on your own with your eyes completely open and don't squander the opportunity. Make sure you save because it's not the talent that causes businesses to fail. I think what is it's the lack of planning and the lack of actually thinking about things in the long term that, that cause people to, to go after things too quickly and not go the road less traveled the smart way, which means you have to, to defer gratification. You have to maybe do things you don't want to do for a little bit longer before you can go out and make that jump and, and, and start something that actually turns fruitful. So that's that's my thought on today on, you know, what's going on with this with, with this extreme makeover, the home edition house that was lost in foreclosure on the south side of Atlanta, probably 15 minutes from my house. That I, I just, because it kind of hit me, you know, you know, it's kind of a gut shot when you, your family's actually involved in going to watch something and you're so excited and you watch the show and then you find out that these people squandered the $700,000 opportunity that was given to them. But let's move on to something a little more fun. I got an email from a listener. Um, this listener is Tom. Tom wrote me and he says, Hey, Brian, I love the podcast. I've been listening to many financial podcasts over the last few months, and yours is easily the most informative and entertaining to listen to. Well, thank you, Tom. I really appreciate that. I always, you know, like I said, this is not our day job. We do this for giggles, and this is why we do this, is because I love getting the emails from you guys that make me feel like this is somewhat fulfilling, very fulfilling, actually, that, that you're getting something out of this. He goes on to say, I had a question related to one of your recent podcasts where you talked about when someone should think about hiring a financial planner. You gave a ballpark of once you, you've got around two hundred to 250000 or so. My question is this, does that include my entire portfolio? For instance, I have about 150000 in my works 401k and thirty k in both me and my wife's IRAs combined. 20k in cash. You mentioned that some financial advisors have access to other funds and things not available to the general public. But since my money is tied up in my own accounts, 401k and IRAs, how are those accounts? No, how would that work? Would I have to somehow transfer some of my money in those accounts over to an account accessible to the financial planner somehow? I guess I was a bit confused on how financial planners work. Are they helping me manage my own existing accounts, or are they helping me set up new portfolios with funds that they have access to? Thanks again for all your great work. I eagerly await your Batman the Dark Knight review, which that cracks me up that Tom put that. Now, actually, I'm going to make him happy because after I get over answering his question, I will talk briefly about the Dark Knight movie because he's not the only person that's asked about that, and it, 
I like sharing, you know, my pop culture insight, even this and that. Get, I put it at the end so that you guys who are here for the financial information can tune out. But let's talk about what Tom's asking. And I think it's a good question, and that's why I read it. It's because I, I just assume everybody knows how things work, and, and it's probably a, a good point to come back and, and, and kind of catch you guys up. Is that there are financial planners that work on both sides. You can work with some of the Garrett Planning Network, which are the financial planners that work by the hour, and you go to garrettplanningnetwork.com, and they do work by the hour, and they probably would be willing to work with whatever accounts you currently have. So if you have, like um, Tom talked about here, you have IRAs, you have a 401k, and you also have IRAs as well as a joint account, they would, instead of trying to open you up separate accounts or opening up their own accounts that they have a connection to, they would probably just look at your current portfolio, give you some proposals, even possibly help you with implementation, with following up with you to make sure everything went all right. And, that, and that's how it would work. They pay by the hour. Now, the difference, and there's nothing wrong with either one of these models, but I'm just telling you on the fee-only side how it works. With my model, the, what would happen is, is that I would open up uh, accounts at Fidelity Institutional, you know, the big company up in Boston, for um, your joint accounts, for the IRA accounts. And, and, and then if your 401k had enough investment options that I thought that I could add value to providing you a, you know, an allocation or helping you with the management of it, we'd even help you manage the 401k. Now, we wouldn't be able to transfer the 401k because, you know, while you're an active employee, your 401k is with your 401k provider that your employer has chosen. So you wouldn't be able to move that over to an account that I was I was managing at Fidelity Institutional where I would have access to those, some of those funds that you're talking about, the institutional funds and then the um, funds that are, are closed to new investors but still institutional advisors can get into. So that would be a limitation. And I, don't, I tell you, we don't manage all of our clients' 401ks. I have a brand new client that I just signed up that was actually a podcast listener. I'll give a big shout-out out to Lisa. And, and Lisa, we, we wanted to manage her 401k, or she had mentioned us managing her 401k, but when we got in and started looking at the portfolio and her investment options, we just didn't have enough to, to where we could add value. And I never want to charge a fee on something I don't feel like I can add value to. You know, if you, if you only have four investment options, it doesn't make sense to pay me a percentage of that to, to, to manage it when I'm not going to be able to add you any additional value or performance. So, so it, it's kind of, it's a per quant analysis to determine if we can manage 401ks. Um, now, we do also offer 401k management, and that does allow you know, all employees of the 401ks that we're managing to have access to the funds that we're using, the institutional funds, even some of the, uh, the other funds, you know, and get the model portfolios that provide the asset allocation. But that's, you know, that's only for the people who have 401ks that, that we're actually managing with Preston and Cleveland. But I hope that provides some guidance on how it works. Remember, on my side with the assets under management model is that we would open you up separate accounts and transfer those funds over to the Fidelity accounts that I'd set up. And then 401ks, we would set up, you know, where we could have um, account access through the internet and then update that information within our portfolio management software. So I hope that helps out, Tom. Now, those that want to just listen to the financial information, this is your time to tune out. You can just go check out our show notes at money-guy.com. You can write me at brian at money-guy.com. But for those that want to hear about my pop culture thoughts on things, you can stick around now, and I'm going to talk about Dark Knight because I've had a few of you guys ask the question, and you know, and you've stroked me enough to make me feel comfortable to share my thoughts. And I want to go ahead and tell you about the new Batman movie, Dark Knight. I went and saw it opening. Well, I guess it wasn't opening day because we went and saw it Friday night, the the, the week that it came out. And I got to tell you, 
You know, I love the comic book movies. You guys heard the last review I did was on Iron Man, which I thought was just incredible. And I, I've seen the Hulk. I've seen all the, you know, I try to go see all the comic book movies um, that I can out there. And The Dark Knight, I went into because I was a little skeptical because of this whole Heath Ledger madness that was going on. And, and you know, and I'll be upfront with you. I'm not a huge Heath Ledger fan, you know, and it's not because he's ever done anything wrong to me or, or anything else. It's just because I always just felt like he, I don't know, he had that brooding, I, I don't i don't know, it just, you know, it just, I've, I've seen enough of his movies, I just didn't know if I was going to love him, and I felt like there was this, you know, since he had passed away back in, in January, I felt like there was this love fest going on and, and hyping his performance before anybody had even seen his performance. But I got to tell you, I have gone and seen this movie now, and the hype is really there. I mean, this guy really does do an incredible performance. This is the the Dark Knight. Even though Batman, of course, is you know the 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 crusader that goes in and saves the day, it is Heath Ledger who steals this movie. And I, and I say that and I wanted to go ahead and prep that because and give you that intro because I don't want to I don't want to pile on to all the hype that's out there about Heath Ledger. But I'm telling you, this guy is disturbed. In the role he plays, and you know, and what's funny, or not funny, but it's interesting, is that I had um, my associate Bo go pull up some research on how in the world Heath had prepared for this role, and he found an article from back in November 30th of last year. Now this is before Heath passed away back in January, and it talks about how he prepared for the show. And the reason I I think this is important is because if you go see this movie, I remember me and my wife walked out of the movie, and I was like, man, if that guy has to be somewhat of a sick puppy to be able to do the role that he did there because, I mean, it is disturbing how he jumps around in that movie. I mean, it is if, if he was still around and in that dating scene, if you were the girl dating Heath Ledger, you'd have to be a little concerned that what is this guy thinking to, after you see the role he played as the Joker in the Batman movie. But I thought it was interesting. It said how he prepared for the Joker's sinister voice and laughed. He goes, I sat around in a hotel room in London for about a month locked myself away, formed a little diary, and experimented with voices. It was important to try to find a somewhat iconic voice and laugh. I ended up landing more in the realm of psychopath, someone with very little to no conscience towards his acts. He, he was just an absolute sociopath who was cold-blooded, mass-murdering clown, and Chris Nolan has given me free reign, which is fun because there are no boundaries to what the Joker would say or do. Nothing intimidates him, and everything is a big joke. I think that is right on. I think this movie is awesome. Now, let me tell you something. I, I thought a role that didn't go as well, but it was still interesting, is that one of the other stars is Aaron Eckhart. He plays Harvey Dent, or Two-Face, at the end without you know giving you too much information, but you know, I'm a big fan of Aaron Eckhart because hes I think he's a good actor. I don't think he's gotten enough attention. And I just want to use this opportunity because I already told you how good Dark Knight and everybody else and their brothers told you how good Dark Knight is. But if you want to go see the best of Aaron Eckhart and see really what this guy can do, I've talked about this in previous podcasts, but it's been a number of years now. Go see the movie from 2006 titled Thank You for Smoking. It's an independent film, but it's got a ton of stars in it. I mean, this thing has got it's got cameos from like Adam Brody. It's got um, oh the guy who made um, oh it's also got a cameo from Rob Lowe, and then Tom Cruise's wife Katie Holmes is a love interest in it. So this thing has got a big list of A-listers in it, and it is a dark comedy. It is hilarious. Um, he's he's a fast-talking guy who's actually like the PR representative for the smoking industry. So you've got to know that it's kind of a dark comedy. It kind of, 
you know, he's for smoking, but you can tell that really the, the, when they made this movie, they're not really for smoking. It's more of a, a, a pun. It's a comedy. And I think it's tremendous if you want to go check out a movie that probably didn't get a lot of attention. But if you go watch it, it will de- definitely move up on your list of um, favorite movies to watch out there. I think it's incredible. I'll even see if Bo and James can um, maybe even put a link to the trailer on the show notes today. But thanks so much for listening to The Money Guy Show. You guys are what make us popular. You are the guys that have helped us grow. You probably saw on the site this week that we had put up kind of a thank you showing how we've had tremendous show growth in the last month or two. Um, want to keep that up. You guys are the direct resource that has ha- helped with that. And I think it's also because I've asked you guys, please, we don't have corporate sponsorship. We don't have corporate money pushing us. I think we have the, the, the quality of the data, the quality of the information, the show material is there. We just need an audience to keep growing so we can keep being motivated to do this. So please tell your friends, family, and everybody else you can think about, go check us out, money-guy.com. I'm your host, Brian Preston. Talk to you in about a week. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston, and Brian Preston is a partner with Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management. Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Preston & Cleveland Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.